You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rosen. I'm a fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic surgeon who specializes in knee replacement. Here I'll talk to you about common knee complaints and other orthopedic issues. We'll cover other important health-related topics, all of which are meant to helpfully answer some of your questions and help improve the quality of your life. Thanks for listening, and on with the next episode. Hello, welcome back. I'm Adam Rosen, and you're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. If you're just finding us now, again, briefly, I'm an orthopedic surgeon who specializes in total knee replacements. Um, And in this uh, podcast, what I like to do is try to cover different topics about your knee and your health and things that are answering most of the commonly asked questions that I get in the office. And today we got one for you. Um, Today is, is it a fracture? Or is it a break? Really, really common question. Um, so we're going to get into that. Um, I just want to let you know we got a bunch of other stuff coming up. So stay tuned. If you haven't subscribed, uh, please subscribe so you are aware of the upcoming episodes. I got some good ones that I'm working on. Um, we're going to talk about sex. Yes, we're going to talk about sex in an upcoming episode, um, specifically after total hip replacement. So that's a very, very common question that a lot of patients are unsure of and they're scared about as to when they can safely resume intimacy. So we'll talk about that. Another common question, you know, that I get asked more out of the office from, you know, friends and things like that is, is what do you guys actually talk about in the operating room? So we're going to go into a whole episode on that. And then I'm also going to do a recap. I've done previous videos on this, but there's some new medicines on the market that you can buy over the counter. So we're going to do a whole episode on what are all the differences and similarities between a lot of these over-the-counter medications um, and creams that you can use to treat arthritic joint pain. So without more of a delay, let's get right into this. So today, is it a fracture or is it a break or is it a crack, right? Same thing. They are all the same thing. Technically more the, the broken bone terminology that most health providers will use is the term a fracture. Um, but we'll, you know, use the word break trying to, to discuss and describe it with a patient. A lot of patients think one is worse than the other, but they are the same thing. So a fracture is a break is a fracture. Same thing. Another clarification. So the old sort of uh, theory of a compound fracture is a term that is not used anymore. Um, a lot of patients still ask, oh, is, is it compound or not? Meaning, did the bone break through the skin? We will typically define these as an either open fracture, meaning that the bone is poked through the skin, or a closed fracture, meaning that there is no injury to the skin. So a fracture, a break, open or closed. Now, two other things that we're going to talk about um, for your edification and education. So there's also something called an insufficiency fracture. So this is something that I typically see in a lot of my older patients, and this can happen in any bone in the body. I typically see it in the knee. Um, We can also sometimes see it in the pelvis. And this is essentially like a microscopic fracture of the cellular structure of the bone. Typically, the patient has osteoporosis. They may just be walking in the bone is so weak it collapses, Those are things that you'll commonly hear about, like you fracture a spine. So someone's like grandma's bone breaks. She wasn't doing anything. Maybe she coughed and sneezed. The bone was so weak that the bone can collapse on itself. But more often than not, we see it in the knee where someone has pain that seems out of proportion. The x-ray may be normal with minimal arthritis and they get an MRI and people get nervous because they see this word fracture by the radiologist, insufficiency fracture. And sort of the way that I've used to describe this, I think 
this analogy makes the most sense to people is if you remember back, there was this green sort of rectangular square foam that would come in a lot of flower arrangements. It would absorb a lot of water to keep the flowers moist. And when it was wet, if you could squeeze it, you could sort of barely indent it with your thumbprint. And that's sort of like bone, but the softer the bone gets with osteoporosis, even softer and the more indentation. So that that piece of foam didn't break in half. It's not in two pieces now, but it's indented. And that's what can happen in what we see these insufficiency fractures around the knee. Um, Now, the other fracture, which is important, I believe, to talk about is what's called a stress fracture. So stress fractures occur typically in normal activity but when you have abnormal bone. So this would be an older person with osteoporosis, again, just walking everyday activity and the bone breaks. The other stress fracture commonly develops when you have abnormal activity and normal bone. So we see this in runners. You may see this in a military recruit, slaps on a 50-pound backpack and is hiking through the hills day after day. They'll get stress fractures in the foot. Runners can get stress fractures in the hip. And these are people that may present, and the initial x-ray may be normal. You know, you hear me talk about not needing an MRI for knee pain to, de- to diagnose arthritis. But this is one where the pain seems out of proportion, the x-ray is normal, and you suspect a stress fracture. This is where the MRI is extremely useful because the MRI will show that stress fracture in the foot or in the shin bone or in the hip area. Now, if you waited two weeks, let's say you just put someone on crutches and then re-x-ray in two weeks, a lot of times you'll see a white line and that lets us know, yep, you did have a stress fracture. We couldn't see it on the first x-ray, now it's healing. Typically, it's partially through the bone. Now, there's a unique group of people, typically um, women, typically high-end athletes, and you can see this in high school, you can see it in college, you can see it throughout you know, their middle years, and you know, this is most associated with someone that's running, but also competitive sports too, and there's this triad of some type of disordered eating, which may affect their metabolism. They may have amenorrhea because as they exercise at a really high level, the hormones get thrown off a little bit, and then this can lead to osteoporosis. And that can then lead to fractures. So it's really important, something we try to educate everybody on, especially women who are at risk of this with activity when they're exercising at high, high levels, um, but something that we want to watch because we'll see that more commonly in the hip. And these are big deals because in the hip, when we talk about a stress fracture, you know, some can be treated conservatively and some require surgery. And there's a lot of specifics and details, but to kind of narrow it down to two main types, you know, there's what's called a tensile and compression stress fracture in the hip. So let's say you had a carrot um, and you were holding the carrot in both hands and you took both hands and you kind of rotated them down. So you're going to try to snap the carrot up with your thumbs. The top of that carrot, of what you're looking at, that's under tension. So as you go to break it, it's being pulled apart and the bottom side is being compressed. So if you have a fracture on the tensile side of your hip, every time you walk, it's pushing it open, pushing it open, pushing it open. Those require surgery, where when you have this stress fracture on the bottom, where it's typically compressing, 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 in certain individuals, you can treat that conservatively without surgery. Um, So that's just a little side note on insufficiency and stress fractures. Um, Again, you could call them insufficiency breaks or stress breaks, but again, same thing, fracture and break. So what is a fracture and where it can occur? So it can occur in the bone, into the joint, so it actually disrupts the bone and the cartilage, and it the line actually goes right into the joint on x-ray. These are more likely to lead to arthritis down the road, or it can happen in other parts. So like if you break your shin bone or thigh bone right in the shaft, it's not in the joint, but it's in the bone. And we use different adjectives to describe it. We can look at this from an energy standpoint because we might be able to tell, like, was the person hit? Was it twisted? This is a lot of times how you can diagnose um, 
child abuse in young kids based on what kind of fracture pattern they have, but we may describe it as transverse or spiral or oblique. And typically, if it's a lower energy break, it'll break into two pieces. But it's never, you know, people ask, is it a clean break? And I say, like, take a pretzel rod or take a chalk stick and break it in half. Is it clean? There's always some pieces. So those pieces, those little bone pieces inside, sometimes can act as bone graft. But it's also the thing, especially in a long bone, that as the bones then heal, may lead to some shortening of the leg because there's been a break and there's been pieces. Now, the other thing that we see is what's called a comminuted break. So this is when the break looks like a puzzle. There's lots of pieces. This is typically high energy. Um, and all of these are related to trauma. The other little um, type of fracture that we see, not as common, but you can see it, and it's typically with low or high energy, is when there's some lesion. So there are some bone lesions that are benign, and there's some bone lesions that can be from cancer, and that can weaken the bone. So sometimes we see people, unfortunately, that show up with a break, and it's when you actually diagnose them with a cancer that has metastasized to the bone, and there's different ways of treating that depending on you know, where the fracture is, what it looks like, what the bone looks like, what kind of cancer that they have. But all of those things can happen. Now, the important thing, which I stress with all of my patients, is that when you come into the office and you see the x-ray, um, and, it, you know, I always show my patients the x-rays. I believe all your doctors should show you what you're looking at. But a lot of people forget there was a soft tissue injury to this as well. Like, you can't break a bone without damaging something else. It may be minor, just like the soft tissue, but it could involve ligaments and tendons and muscle and sometimes that takes as long, if not longer, to heal. And sometimes that may lead to, you know, chronic problems in the muscle or the ligaments for the rest of your life. So, you know, when people see the fracture and the fracture's healed and they're wondering, but yeah, but why does it still hurt? Why is it still stiff? Well, there was a soft tissue component to it. So if you break something, you know, what do you feel? Well, typically, most people will feel pain. You may have swelling in the area. You can have ecchymosis, the black and blue mark. There may be an obvious deformity. You know, when you kind of look at your wrist or ankle and it's crooked, that's always a bad sign. And sometimes you'll hear this crepitations or feel. It's basically the grinding of the bones, but there's lots of symptoms that you may have. Um, when you then show up to the urgent care, the ER, the doctor's office, depending on, you know, where you're at and the severity of the injury, we're going to examine you. So we have to examine you. You got to check for pulses, you know, check the muscle function, obviously get an x-ray. Now, do we get special tests? Well, occasionally um, you may need a CAT scan. This is more if there's pieces and you're trying to plan for surgery. Sometimes CAT scans are used to make the decision. You know, you can see it on x-ray, but the CAT scan really looks even more closely that is it safe to treat this conservatively in a cast or does it need surgery? And then occasionally MRI. Again, we've talked about that before that patient has significant pain, the x-ray is normal, but you suspect some type of fracture, the MRI will show that um, when the x-ray may not in the beginning. So, you know, conservative treatments. So typically these are well-aligned fractures. Each fracture um, in the body, you know, we know whether or not you can accept this many degrees of angulation, forward, backward, sideways, rotation, you know, millimeters of step off. And depending on the bone, um, you can accept more or less. Like for example, around the shoulder, the shoulder joint has so much range of motion. If you break it below the shoulder bone, you can actually accept a bunch of deformity because as it heals, the shoulder makes up for that motion. Whereas if you um, involve Another bone, say, you know, around your knee, your knee bends back and forth. But if it's crooked to the side, you're not going to walk well with any knock, knee, or bow-legged. So you may fix that. And then in a joint, you know, in a joint, 
if the if the the joint space is off by a number of millimeters, that can significantly increase the risk of arthritis and problems with the joint. So we may fix those. Now, if if you're treating it conservatively, we can typically put you in a cast, we can put you in a splint, we can put you in a brace, we can put you in a sling. Um, so there's different things, and you know, occasionally there are people that they're kind of in this this gray zone in between where the X-ray says yes, it is displaced, it is deformed, it probably would benefit from surgery, but due to the patient's medical stuff, they're not a safe candidate for surgery. So if you shatter the bone in your heel, the heel bone called the calcaneus, you know, if you're a a brittle diabetic, heavy smoker that has poor blood supply to the foot, sometimes the risks of infection and complication are so great that we would treat even a bad fracture in a cast because... All you're going to do by opening up and trying to put it back together is cause some complication, which could lead to an infection in the bone, which could lead to the need for an amputation. You know, and occasionally we have fractures in elderly that, you know, if someone has advanced dementia and it's non-ambulatory, you know, even though it looks crooked, they don't walk anyway. They're basically bedridden. So you may choose to treat that person conservatively where the same fracture in a normal walking, active individual may be treated with surgery. So when we treat it, what do we do? So it really depends on where you break it and what you broke. So for certain fractures, we use pins, we might use cables, we might use plates, we might use screws, we might use rods, we might use an external fixator. These are typically the tinker toy looking sets. Usually if there's lots of pieces and a lot of soft tissue trauma, and maybe you are going to put a plate and screws later, but you can't safely make an incision in the skin. You may temporarily put this external fixator on um, and then later on go back and do another surgery. And then the other option becomes a joint replacement for some injuries of joints where the bone is shattered, typically in older individuals, where it's really difficult to put it back together and they already had arthritis. It's going to lead to worse arthritis. Then you need a second operation. More commonly, you'll hear about this with hips but it even occurs in the, knee, in the knee, occurs in the shoulder, occurs in the elbow, and then you actually treat that at the time of the injury with a joint replacement. Now, if we do fix it, you know, is the, does the hardware, does it stay in forever? Do you take the hardware out? That's a really common question, and again, it depends. For most cases, the metal plate screws rods are designed that they can go in and they can stay in forever. There are certain instances where some screws, like in the ankle, there's a couple ligaments that can get injured. We may place screws across the joint that are designed to then be taken out later. So they're basically stabilizing the joint, letting the ligament heal, and then taking it out. Sometimes screws either become prominent, certain areas of the body, typically the elbow and the knee, where there's very you know little coverage, bone and skin that the plates or screws or rods may irritate you once the fracture is healed. So we can then go back and take out the hardware. But it's important because a lot of studies have shown that if you do not have a problem with the hardware, just pain, and you take out the hardware, uh, only, uh, I think it's about 60%, if I remember correctly, about 60% of people have reduction in pain. What that means is that people will still have pain. Why? Because you broke it. You know, just like if you didn't have surgery and you broke it, it might still be stiff and achy. And there's no hardware to take out because you didn't have surgery. So sometimes, yes, the hardware can be prominent, but you can't assume that taking out the metal will make your joint feel normal because you did have surgery and you did injure that area. Um, And then healing. You know, most of the time, most fractures really show good signs of healing six, eight weeks, but it takes about 10 to 12 weeks for full maturity 
And depending on your age, depending on your nutritional status, depending on your bone quality, you know, it can happen quicker or, or shorter. We see kids, I mean, kids come in in a couple of weeks and you have this abundant, what we call callus. So this is the bone that you see on x-ray that's healing the fracture. You see that early on. You see some individuals who are older, maybe nutritionally compromised or have osteoporosis and it may take a lot longer and people want to know, like, can I speed that up? And, you know, the honest answer is no. You know, it still takes, you know, six to 10 to 12 weeks for fractures to heal. I always tell people it still takes nine months to have a baby. You can't really speed that up. There are some instances where we use bone stimulators. Most of them are only indicated when a bone fracture has not healed in its normal time frame. There are occasional instances where you can use it right from the get-go. Um, and there's a whole bunch of things that are, you know, that are recommended. Um, and you'll see these online, you know, bone healing, bone stimulus. And, and there's nothing that's really great that scientifically proves that we put everybody on. But nutrition is important because if you're deficient in nutrients and minerals, then that may slow down your bone healing. So for patients that we see, and again, typically many of the patients that I see, if they're older, um, we are what's called owning the bone. So as an orthopedic surgeon, you know, it's our job to look at this organ system. The skeleton is an organ system. And it's really important that we don't miss the fact that if you fell and broke something, we need to evaluate your bony system and see if there's anything that can be fixed or corrected to prevent another fall or another break or another injury. So uh, the American Orthopedics Association came out with this this own the bone um, thing in 2009. And it's, it's a great, I'll put the link in the show notes, but it has a lot of great information. You know, patients are recommended that you should supplement with calcium and vitamin D, but we also check patients for osteoporosis. So we have a protocol like many institutions where if you come in with a fragility fracture, you stood up, you fell from a standing height, broke your wrist, broke your back, broke your hip, broke your ankle, you then get referred to rheumatology, you get a bone density test if you haven't had one done, in the recent past, if you have osteoporosis, that you can then get discussed the options of treatment for osteoporosis medically. But we also recommend weight-bearing exercise once the fracture heals, appropriate calcium and vitamin D. And uh, you may have heard by talk on osteoporosis before. Again, most patients, it's really what you need is the vitamin D because um, I go into a lot of detail in, in, in that talk. But again, think of vitamin D as the, um, I always kind of use it as as the old-fashioned um, uh, deposit slip that you would have at the bank. You can have a check, but you can't put it in without the deposit slip the old-fashioned way. So vitamin D is your deposit slip. Calcium is the money. The bank is your bone. So you want to make sure that your vitamin D level is appropriate. So the calcium that you get from your diet and you absorb it, you can then transport it into your body and put it into your bones to strengthen your bones, but a lot of patients are deficient in vitamin D. So we want to make sure that if you're low, you may need even more than just an over-the-counter supplement and your doctor may prescribe a high dose for a number of weeks. Now, the big thing though that you can do, so one of the things that you can take away from this, um, if you're older or you know if you're listening and your parents are older, is we want to prevent falls. You know, falls are one of these things that can lead to a lot of these fractures. So how do you prevent falls and falls at home and falls outside? So one, get rid of the throw rugs. You know, they look nice. If you have hardwood floors or tile, you know, it may soften the floor a little bit, but you're more likely to trip on those throw rugs. So get rid of throw rugs. Look around. Are there cables and cords? You got 50 million things plugged into an outlet and you got cords everywhere that you're going to trip over get rid of those. You have to be cautious. I have some patients on supplemental oxygen and you know you can't get rid of those, but you really have to be cognizant of where those cords and tubes are going. 
physical therapy is important or balance training is important because a lot of us as we age, our vision, our balance, inner ear changes, our reaction time all changes. So as you lose the ability to control your balance, you're more likely to trip and then fall versus trip and kind of catch yourself from going down. And then you always have to ask yourself, you know, am I at a point where I need to use a cane or a walker? I can't tell you how many times I've had people that have said, you know, I fell and I should have had my walker with me. I should have been using a cane. My, you know, my daughter, my doctor, you know, she told me I should be keeping it with me at all times. And then the other option too is, you know, bathrooms are a dangerous place. You know, do you need bars installed in your bathroom, in your shower, um, by your toilet, by the by the um, the tub? So look for things that you can fix or things that you can work on that may prevent the risk of a fall. Um, so that is a whole lot of information. Um, and again, a fracture is a break, is a break, is a fracture, all the same thing. So I really do hope that this is answered. A lot of the questions that you've had about, you know, what is a fracture? Um, how is it different from a break? What are the kinds of fractures? How do you treat it? Can the hardware stay in forever? Um, but again, for most of my patients, you know, the big thing is looking for things that you can fix or change. So look for things that make you at risk at for falling at home. Make sure that your calcium and vitamin D levels are appropriate. Make sure you've been screened for osteopenia or osteoporosis because it's a lot easier to treat it before the problem develops as opposed to waiting and then it being a big deal because you may never ever make it normal again and it becomes a higher risk for fracture for the rest of your life. So in the meantime, um, I'm Adam Rosen. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. And again, if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe, share it with a friend. We have some great episodes coming for you up soon. I look forward to you tuning in again. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. I'm your host, Adam Rosen, and until next time, stay safe.